What up? What up? What's up, y'all? What's up? Yes. Hello. Hey, y'all. All right, y'all. Welcome to the show. This is Joanna, and uh, we are starting a brand new podcast. This is the This Is Not That Podcast. Show one. Go ahead and introduce yourself. I got you. I got you. That was such uh, a rough a rough start, y'all. We good. Raphael Smith. I'm the Climate and Equity Director at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. More importantly, I am a Black man from Harambe in Milwaukee, uh, born and raised on the east side, as we call it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I'll dive a little bit deeper when we continue the conversation. But first and foremost, a brother from Milwaukee. Uh, and my name is Isaiah Holmes. I'm a journalist with the Wisconsin Examiner. I've been, uh, I'm a longtime Milwaukee resident, grew up in Milwaukee, uh, and hope to stay here quite, quite a while. <laughs> that's, that's, that's good to hear, Isaiah. Um, Got to keep more of our young people here in Milwaukee to keep up that good fight. And so, like I said, I'm Joanna. I'm the Movement Politics Director at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And this is the This Is Not That podcast that is sponsored by Citizen Action of Wisconsin. We're all local Milwaukeeans, right? Born and raised Milwaukeeans. Uh, I grew up here on the near south side. I'm a Latinx woman, queer Latinx woman. Um, And I think we just wanted to start this podcast to have some real conversations around what's impacting our communities. Uh, when it comes to social justice, politics. Um, and we want, you know, we see these conversations happening all the time, right? Folks are talking about politics and what's going on in our communities. But the point for us to be here and have this conversation is that we have a different point of view, right? We're living in the communities that mainstream media is reporting on, right? We're living the police brutality. We're living the injustice, right? We're living the poverty. Um, and we don't have too many of that, those perspectives on podcasts. And so, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that we're making the space and, and creating this, this conversation and, and getting it recorded and out here to, to our people. What do y'all think about us starting this podcast? Why are we here? I mean, I know people out there might be thinking to themselves, like, how did they get such a dope name, right? Like, where did they get that dope oh, of name? Of course, of course. You got it because look, man. This is not that. I know you folks might be used to a certain formatted version of a podcast where you get the NPR voice and they tell you in whispers about what's going on with some soft jazz music. That's not what you're going to get here. This is real perspective from people that's on the ground organizing and impacting communities, having a conversation about what's going on. So, yeah, this is not that. So if you're looking for that, go somewhere else. But this this is going to be different. It's going to be folks having real conversations about what's going on in our community. So I couldn't think about doing a podcast with any better uh, co-host and Isaiah and Joanna. So we about to hit them hard. I yeah. totally agree. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's a really uh, kind of crucial, a couple crucial points about this particular podcast. Like you said, this is not that. And I think that it's really important that we all come from very distinct uh, backgrounds, yet we all come from the same city and really some of the same marginalized communities. Uh, but, you know, obviously I'm a journalist and that's really my main mode. And I think that all three of us kind of bring a different um, kind of uh, uh, benefit and flavor to uh, to this uh, podcast. So hopefully uh, 
we can keep the audience engaged uh, in what we're talking about, which we'll really be focusing on. Uh, like like uh, Ralphie and Joanna said, like uh, a lot of the issues that are affecting our communities, um, and and really looking at it from a from a from a from a different kind of less cosmetic, I guess, perspective. And I think that's really important, um, especially post George Floyd. We're all kind of in a different world, so let's roll with it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I was just gonna say, you know, we all have our our unique backgrounds, right? Uh, we touched a little bit on like what parts of the city we live in and stuff, but just our experiences, right? Like, I mean, I started community organizing and by 2008, uh, ran for office, um, been working in local politics since 2010. Uh, I think that we have unique perspectives on what's happening and, and how we're seeing it and how we're how we're also seeing folks come in and, and trying to support us, right? Like the groups coming in or, or elected officials coming in thinking that they know what's best, um, you know, and, and I think we all have our views on that too. And, and I, I know you're going to say something, Rafia. Uh, go ahead. For, for me, there's not too many outlets to get an authentic voice especially here in Milwaukee, right? It's always going to be through a certain filter. So when we were given this opportunity to start a podcast with no restrictions on our voices and how we're going to talk, I jumped at the uh, at the opportunity because it's unique, right? And really at a local issue, I can't think of a another show, and it's no shade to nobody else, where it's, you're going to hear folks talk about local issues from a local, a local angle with none of the, the, the fluff that usually goes with it. So... Man, I, I am super excited for this opportunity, you know. And uh, yeah, you you can't see us, but you can hear the aesthetic is different. The vibes is different, right? So yeah, man, I'm just ready to jump in and, you know, get deep with the crew. Yeah, and obviously we all have a very distinct Milwaukee background. I also hope to uh, kind of elevate, uh, use this podcast to elevate voices from across uh uh, from other parts of Wisconsin and across Wisconsin as well, and kind of look at a variety of issues that may be impacting uh, different communities. Um, Milwaukee is kind of interesting because it is kind of, it is a very segregated community. So if you do get an opportunity to kind of move around a little bit, uh, you, you, you kind of see how different issues and different uh, different issues manifest in different areas and how people really deal with those issues or, or not deal with them. And I think that that I think the latter is really why uh, we're in a lot of the positions that we are now, not only with kind of reoccurring issues, but also people trying to figure out new ways to approach those issues and discuss those issues. And hopefully this is not that can be a vehicle for, for all that. And it's not just local, right? We're going to be hitting some state issues and federal, but we're always going to have that Milwaukee lens, that Milwaukee point of view. Um, but just wanted to make sure that our listeners know, right? Like this is going to be an open conversation talking about everything and anything in our own way. Uh, yeah, everything that Isaiah and Joanna talked about. And, you know, uh, this is our first show. But in the future, we do plan on bringing on guests and hearing from the grassroots, hearing from people impacted every day, you know, and what they're going through. So, you know, you might like the sound of our voice, but, you you know, get ready to hear some other voices too, right? So I'm- Absolutely. Again, I keep on repeating myself, but I'm super excited about the opportunity because as a, a, a black person, it's, as a person of color, you got to learn to create space for yourself, right? 
you know, and that's what we're doing now. And I, I feel it's a deep privilege to create this space, not just for us, but for other folks to talk about what's going on. And I feel like they got to put it in a, a certain type of way for folks to get it, right? Either you're going to get it, or you're not going to get it, but you're going to get it our way. That's, and this is why this is not that. Yeah. And also, uh, 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 it would be really awesome if we could also uh, invite the audience in whatever way they, they can to really like interact with us, pitch us things, uh, communicate with us. You know, we're not just voices talking at you. Uh, uh, we, we hear you and we uh, are uh, listening to kind of what the audience may uh, be interested in hearing about because obviously we don't know everything we're not aware of everything I think that we the three of us uh, have a lot of experience and cover a lot of ground but uh, it would be great to hear from you all the audience to see uh, what you want to hear talked about or brought more attention to yeah 100% completely agree with all y'all and all of that said, I'm super excited myself to like have this conversation. And Rafi, I think you're absolutely right. Like as people of color, we have to learn to create the spaces that we want to see, right? We want the progress that we want to see. We're the ones that are making it happen. Um, and so with that, so like I said, I'm Joanna. I'm the Movement Politics Director at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And this is the This Is Not That podcast that is sponsored by Citizen Action of Wisconsin. Thank you all for, for listening. Um, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, y'all. So we are back with the This Is Not That podcast sponsored by Citizen Action of Wisconsin. I'm one of your hosts, Joanna, with my, with my homies, Rafi and Isaiah. Um, um, and I get, <laughs> and I just wanted to, I guess I wanted to get us started on like, so we've been talking about launching this podcast for a couple of months now. Um, and one of the big things we were deciding on is like, okay, when do we start? When do we launch? Right. And I think one thing that really influenced that, um, is the one year anniversary of the murder of George Floyd, right? So we're recording on Monday, the 24th, but we are going to be um, launching the podcast live tomorrow, Tuesday, May 25th, which will mark the one year anniversary. Um, and I think that that was really important to all of us. Um, you know, I don't want to speak for the guys, but I know it was really important to, to, to me um, just because, you know, the impact, the impact of George Floyd's murder was, was like I'd never was like something I'd never experienced before, right? Um, from where I was in in my in my current life, you know, in that at that time I was a I am director, right, for a nonprofit organization organization that's doing social justice work, um, and I was also a candidate running for the state assembly here in Wisconsin, and um, you know I had never experienced you know such a a horrific thing happened, you know, in, in my community, right. In my, in our community, collective communities of color, um, where I felt like I was in a position of power or, you know, I had a platform. Right. Um, and so it was just a, a unique experience and, and I can dive more on about how I was feeling, but like, why hear y'all, what y'all think about and like how, why it was so important for us to like launch on this, you know, historic week. We were talking a little bit before the podcast started about like, it's very few times where you know you live in history. And it was no doubt <laughs> I knew that we was living in history. The historical context for the time is wild too, because you know, 
Yeah, George Floyd was murdered on Memorial's Day, the 25th. But before, like a couple of weeks before that, you had the Almar Aubrey uh, tape being dropped where two white vigilantes gunned down an innocent black man just jogging. Then you had the Amy, Amy Cooper incident in New York where she called the police uh, pretending like she was in some type of violent situation just so she can get a black man probably shot down by the police. And then you have Breonna Taylor. And uh, it was just a wild time. And so I rem- I, I can't, like I remember when George Floyd, but it's when I saw the video. I heard about it before I seen it. You know what I mean? And I, when I seen the video, I knew it was different. This, I mean, this brother was six, eight, two, like two something, right? And he was on the ground begging for his mother with some dude, with some cop with his foot on his neck. And I knew, I, I felt, I knew how my community felt about that, you know? So I knew it was different. I knew this was going to be a completely different moment in time. And even with that, it was somewhat of a delayed response where I feel like the people around the country was watching what Minnesota did, Minneapolis did, and they got inspiration from them, confidence from them. And that was that that loop, that inspiration that happens where movements just go from some local issue to like a worldwide movement. And yeah, it was just a wild time. And I just knew I was living in history the whole time. Yeah, and I think that it was uh, with all these kinds of different instances of uh, of of either police like directed police violence or 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 people trying to get trying to trying to uh, get the police to kind of do something like uh, what you said with the Cooper incident. Um, I think that all of those incidences, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, they all kind of show different flavors of how. Uh, this particular system, you know, the system we have kind of needs to be changed. You know, there's some very fundamental changes that, 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 that need to happen. Because whenever these kinds of conversations pop up, you get a lot of people really focusing in on, well, like the police killing people part of it, and they leave out all the people who say, call the police on their black neighbor all the time, or all the people, or, or all the times uh, that police say stop and frisk. You know, all the police interactions that don't result in like the worst case scenario, which is like the taking of life, but are also problematic, unconstitutional, and just uh, the longer you let it go on, the worse it gets and the more complex it gets too. You know, it, it doesn't stay kind of a stagnant kind of thing. And uh, I think that all these kinds of instances really show different flavors of that. And because the world kind of stood still in a way, people had to really sit down and look at it. And kind of like with you, uh, uh, Raphael, uh, I, I I pay attention to like say Democracy Now and stuff like that. So I probably seen clips of like the video, but I didn't, but I hadn't seen the full video. Mm-hmm. Uh, immediately I was uh, kind of hitting the ground right away covering the protests and kind of seeing the reaction with some idea of what had happened at least with George Floyd in my mind and having seen the Ahmad Arbery video and, and etc uh, kind of interesting because George Floyd was just this very visceral you see a guy begging for his life not fighting the police you know like really like you see how what should have been a controlled situation got out of hand, you know, uh, 
and resulted in uh in someone dying and you see that right in front of you with Breonna Taylor for example you saw there there are a lot more questions and it, it took longer for details about how that whole situation you know to really uh uh, how, how the whole situation played out. It took longer for people, for those details to get out and people to really put the picture together. And yeah. not to interrupt you, but let's be honest, gender play a ro- played a role in that too, right? I mean, yeah. her being a woman definitely affected how we responded and how the collective consciousness responded to her as well. Can I ask Joe? let me ask Joanna a question real quick, because you talked about it earlier and you had started that CIS action in the middle, almost in the middle of a storm, right? You got hired December of 20, uh, yeah, 2019. And then like four months later, we get the pandemic. So we all got to stay home. We got to work from home. And then this will happen like two months after that. So within your first six months, you had like, it was just a wild transition. It had to be for you. But yet I was in those meetings with you where we had to pit this issue on the table for organization. And you led the way. You, you really was the voice and gave me courage as a director too um, in the room. So could you speak about that? Like being a new director at a nonprofit that work on social social justice issues and you having to step in your power very early on. Yeah. And, you know, I think that for me, like that's why it was such a transformational thing because I knew I had this power, right? I knew I, as a director of an organization, like I knew I had a voice that and people were listening um and you know I had we have a team that was like looking to us for leadership we have young people of color young people of color organizers working at Citizen Action and I I just knew that it was important like this was the moment like you can't I couldn't just stay silent um and wanted to to be able to speak out you know I, I had like I had mentioned I was running for office at this time too right and I knew on the campaign campaign side, we had also been strategizing on like, what's my message? How can I come out, um, you know, and talk about this? Um, And as somebody who has also experienced, um, you know, run-ins with law enforcement, right? Run-ins with Milwaukee law enforcement. I've been arrested many of times, uh, put in our our county jail and house of corrections and whatnot, right? Like I have my own story. Um, And so like, I just knew that it was something that I needed to speak on, something that was very, it's very important to me. Um, and so I, I just wanted to, to, to make sure that I was using my voice. It was, it was a moment in time, like you said, Rafi, we were living in history. And so like, at, at minimum, we knew, I knew that we had to, to say something, we had to speak out, we had to put a statement out. Um, you know, it was a little bit of a delayed response. Um, but I'm so glad that we were, you know, at that table and in those meetings, Rafi, being able to really take charge and, and lead. Uh, it, it was definitely like a, a moment of empowerment. And I, I don't want to speak for you, but I know I definitely got courage from you, right? Like, and that's why, like, that's why it's so important that, to have a diverse organization, because if you was in the room, I, I wouldn't have had that backup. And I don't think if, if I was in the room, you wouldn't have had that backup. And I think it was the right. collective of us doing it really moved the organization and, in a much more powerful, better way. And then when later on, because this shit never stops, right? Where Jacob Blake got, got shot seven times in the back in August, we had one of the better responses I, I can say from any social justice organization here in Milwaukee. So um, yeah. yeah, the moment was just a wild moment and it was tragic. And as a black man, it was 
it was probably the worst thing I ever had to watch, you know, and it struck, it struck me to my core to watch that man not be able to defend himself. You know, I don't like to be bullied. Nobody liked to be bullied. And that was the system in the physical bullying the community. So uh, it was a tragedy, but out of the tragedy, a beautiful movement, movement was able to be, uh, be born. And uh, I know I participated, Joy and I participated with you, Isaiah, in our next segment, I know we're going to talk about the work and what you, how you use your expertise as a journalist to uplift stories as well. So, yeah, it was just a yeah. moment in time. I agree. Yeah. And, you know, and I would be remiss to not mention, you know, at that time we were also um, undergoing the tragedy of the murder of Joel Acevedo at the hands yeah, of a um, off-duty p- police officer from Wauwatosa. And so, you know, I always think of like that, that saying of, you know, they tried to bury us, but, you know, they didn't know that we were just going to grow through all the rubble and all the destruction. And so, yeah, I'm just so glad that we're having this conversation. And, and so with that, we're going to take another quick break. We'll be right back. Thank you all for listening. This is the This Is Not That podcast. All right, y'all. So we are back. This is the This Is Not That podcast sponsored by Citizen Action of Wisconsin. I'm Joanna with the co-hosts, Homies, Rafi, and Isaiah. Um, Go ahead, Isaiah, and jump in. I know you were going to say something right before we took a break. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Also, just uh, just a quick catch um, that uh, 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 it was uh, an off-duty Milwaukee officer in a a Joel Acevedo's uh, uh, case. Uh, Just a quick catch there. But yeah, you know, I, I thought it would be kind of interesting to also kind of share where we all kind of were uh, around May 29th when the uh, when the movement kind of came here. You know, like Joanna said, there was a bit of a lag in Milwaukee uh, uh, between the time that George Floyd was killed and when protests really kicked up here. Um, I know me personally, um, I had gone down to 27th and Center Street, there is a rally there, a pretty sizable rally uh, in response to the George Floyd uh, killing. Um, And I went down there to cover it, take pictures and talk to a few people. Um, I didn't exactly expect it to go and march off, but it did. Uh, And I think I don't think some of the organizers exactly planned for that either. But uh, it happened. And I ended up going back to my house thinking that that was kind of going to be it. And I was going to write that up and it was going to be that and then I heard that they're right down the street from my house when I went drove all the way across town to West Dallas they're down the street from my house they made ground quick so I so I went and I uh, walked with them from like uh, the highway entrance where Miller Parkway is and National uh, in West Dallas and I'm we marched all the way down to uh, National uh, all the way down National Avenue down to Red Arrow Park which is quite a ways and then I had to depart at that point um, because of rides and everything. But they kept going. They uh, kept going uh, ultimately to the uh, to the uh, Milwaukee Police Station on uh, Locust Street, where there were uh, kind of some cla- uh, kind of some clashes between the police and and people there. That's when they decided to kind of use some of their less than lethal munitions. Uh, and uh, yeah, if maybe. Uh, uh, Raphael, I wanted to kind of pass it off to you, uh, kind of go one by one and see where, where everyone was when all that happened, you know? You know, it's funny to talk about that because it was so wild. I would just bump into the protest, right? Like on the 20th, for some reason, I was driving downtown 
And I bumped into the protesters. They were outside the courthouse. I parked right next to the Central uh, City Library. Man, my car had tickets. I was nervous. I thought I was going to just jump in for a quick second and join uh, join the protests and like go back to the car. But when I got out the car, it was just so overwhelming. It was, I mean, it was people I never saw at a protest before. I knew that's when I really knew it was different. Cause I looked around the energy, the people who were there, it was like, okay, this is something different. And when they started moving, I was like, okay, I want to walk a couple blocks, you know? And I just found myself continuing to walk. And next thing I know, I'm on 27th and final act from downtown courthouse. And the type of protesting too was different. I mean, four lanes of traffic of cars going <laughs> one way. Taken up. Yeah, completely taken up. And people were out there like chanting and people were coming off their doors during the protest. Mm-hmm. And that's unique, right? Like I've been to enough protests and sometimes it can be a reunion of the activists. And this was yeah. not, right? This was, this was like grassroots folks coming off the doors during the protest. Yeah, and that was it, really amazing. Yeah, it was. It was it was so empowering, you know, and I'm 35. You can sometimes get a little bit jaded and that really tapped into like the optimism, right? I knew it was an opportunity for us to do such big things. I didn't know it was going to last for <laughs> how long it lasted, but I knew it was different. Um, I just knew it was different. Joanna, yeah. how, you, how did you feel? What, what happened with you? Yeah, you know, similar similar ways that I got part that I became part of the protest is just like driving around in the city and running into the protest and joining with the car caravans and just knowing like I wanted to be present. Um, you know, and even though I was in my car, I, I could see the people and you know, just like you all are saying, it, it was a different group. You know, like I said, I've been in community organizing since 2008. And, you know, you go to these protests and you see the usual suspects, right? You see, you see the choir, you see the people that were at the last protest. And this was extremely different in a way where the group was diverse. Protesters were all ages, all different backgrounds, all different cultural representations were present. People were, you know, waving their, their flags with pride and just being, you know, yes, we were protesting for the injustice um, that our community was experiencing and facing, um, but you also saw a sense of community through cultural representation. And I just thought that that was a beautiful thing. It like, it made my heart so happy to not recognize anybody. You know what I'm saying? And uh, it was like you said, Rafi, like people were coming off of their porches. We would be in neighborhoods and people would, you know, look through their windows and then they come out and they're just like, I'm with y'all. And they just start walking. Folks were lining the protest streets with their vehicles filled with snacks, water bottles. It was such a collective effort, whether you were you know, walking in the protest, driving in the car caravan on the side of the road, handing out, you know, bottles of water because it was hot and, you know, they just folks just wanted to support. I had some real good snacks. I had some real good snacks. They did, right? Right? Those (laughs) snacks were awesome. They hooked it up. And then, um, you know, I had the amazing honor of actually speaking at one of the protests. So there was a protest on June 7th of 2020 last year. um, And it was a protest for black lives with a with a a very specific focus on our queer and trans transgender black folks 
Um, and just like standing up for the community, you know, and as a queer person myself, you know, a bisexual woman, like I felt, um, I felt with my, I felt like I was with my people and I was so grateful to be asked to speak. Um, you know, to, to, we were, we were in, it was, we were marching from the Summerfest grounds through the near South side, which is, you know, where I call home. And I don't know, it was just, it was a super empowering, amazing thing. I climbed on top of a van. I was so scared mm -hmm. <laughs> that I was going to fall off. And I'm like talking at, we're on first and national and I'm on top of this van talking and I'm looking north on national and I can see the people like just for miles, like it, it was so packed and it was, I, it was amazing. It was breathtaking. I, I, yeah, I just can't speak enough about how beautiful it was to see the folks out, even though we, the reason we were brought together was for an immense tragedy. Yeah. Go ahead, Isaiah. Go ahead. Yeah, and I was just going to say that it's really for people to really understand how amazing that was because it, this is a very segregated city uh, and there, there are very clear zones that people kind of live in and sometimes people are afraid or just you don't there's not a whole lot of uh, 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 interaction sometimes between those quote-unquote zones and what you saw at these protests was you saw people like we just said coming out on their porches walking with the protests uh you saw people talking to people other people meeting people who had never probably would have never ever met those people in their entire lives and this isn't that big of a city you know and oftentimes especially the first couple days really throughout the protests because they've lasted we're, we're now coming up on almost a year of straight people protesting doing different actions every single day and they still do things like you know just hey let's stop marching for a second and get to know a new person next to you you know like like it was uh, really really kind of positive and very uh very unique it was almost like uh getting to know your city in a different way and kind of reclaiming your city in a in a in a in a, in a very uh unique way and you know through all of this you might be thinking well where were the cops in this well for the most of the day they uh kind of didn't do anything they kind of just blocked off the side streets and made sure the protesters stayed on like the main road and they kind of just let them do their thing until later in the night when they decided to uh to uh, uh, respond with uh, more violence. And then that carried on for a couple of days and then it didn't really, that, that kind of police violence in Milwaukee didn't really return after that first kind of few days of period, you know, it, by Milwaukee police specifically. Uh, but, you know, and I think Raphael also got a taste of this. Maybe we can talk about this in the next segment a little bit, but like uh, uh, it wasn't just, the armory vehicles and the guys fully kitted out in riot gear. It was also the drones. It was also the Black Hawk helicopter with the MPD personnel on it being flown by National Guard and you don't know exactly what they're doing. It was also the fact that people were experiencing a lot of things with their devices and their phones, which you could chalk up to just, oh, they're overloading the nearest cell tower or this or that. But when you really collect a lot of those stories, and I did that, I wrote a, surveil a surveillance kind of oriented article back in the summer, uh, one of a few, uh, you start to see that it does, th these phenomena don't really follow that kind of pattern, you know? Uh, uh, and you just kind of saw a lot of it, you know, you, you, you saw a variety of things, you saw this togetherness, but then you also saw this built up capacity that the police had, that law enforcement in, in the area had, had developed and now it's being honed on you and it's still being developed as we speak, you know? 
Yeah, 100%. And I definitely will in our next segment talk about it um, because, you know, what perceived victories we thought we were having, we still were going through shit on the ground too, right? That you you covered and what what we were seeing firsthand. And yeah, I was definitely a witness to it. So I, I guess when we come back from break, I would like to dive into the repression part because you know, anytime you deal with the the state, you you, you can have an active protest, but they're gonna come back with something, right? And they did, and came back hard. And uh-huh. like, I also want to talk about like what your work was doing covering the Wauwatosa protest, because I think in that time you had another person murdered during that period of time by the Wauwatosa police. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, it was a it was a while. Yeah, time. we're we're on to a, a hot new part of this conversation. So with that, we're gonna take a quick break, but we'll be right back. All right, y'all, welcome back to the This Is Not That podcast sponsored by Citizen Action of Wisconsin. I am Joanna here with the homies, Rafi and Isaiah. Um, And y'all, we're diving into some deep stuff, you know. Um, Why don't you pick it back up, Rafi? Yes, we, this, it was a, uh, the tragedy, right? Like the tragedy and how it impacted me. And I still haven't fully, I can't really talk about it without emotion. But it was also a beauty seeing the response to it, right? But even within that movement and people move, you still had at a local level repression, right? What uh, Isaiah talked about with helicopters. I was out there on um, 5th District. Uh, it was people, uh, police officers on roofs, attacking the snipers, them. sniper, literally sniper positions yeah, on rooftops, literally. Drones, helicopters. I got video of all of it. And yeah, it was just, I. you really got to see what other folks deal with with American imperialism came home. They right? came right. home. They came home and they got to see it in uh a front row view. But we also I know you were covering Isaiah the stuff that was happening in Wauwatosa at the time and a people's revolution and their response to a lot of the work. Uh but can you tell us a little bit more about what was going on at a local level, even within the midst of having um uh, response to the George Floyd, we still were dealing with tragedies here in Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it really took a few, it, it really took a, a, a few weeks, close to a month for the protests to really kind of catch on to the issues in Wauwatosa and, and like go there. They were marching in different parts of Milwaukee because when the pro, when, when the George Floyd incident first start, uh, happened, and the protests mobilized around that, they are mobilizing for people out of state because we all had to watch those people die in different ways. Uh, uh, there was, uh, you know, obviously George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, uh, but then people started to realize very quickly that, well, we have cases here, you know, and, and there are two that happened in 2020 in, in particular. Uh, one was the killing of Alvin Cole, 17 years old, uh, by a Wauwatosa officer, Joseph Mensa, in February. And then I don't quite recall when Joel or Joel, how are we saying it? Uh, I call him Joel Acevedo, but... Yeah, a lot of people call him Joel Acevedo. They don't add the accent, uh, but... You know, uh, you know, uh, Acevedo was killed in a really kind of interesting circumstance because he was killed by an off-duty Milwaukee officer that he knew choked out and uh, at a party that was happening during the safer at home order. 
when no one was supposed to do anything, okay? And there is always a lot of issues around the safer at home order because it's like, how are different police gonna enforce that, right? So I know for a fact uh, that in West Dallas, they didn't enforce it at all. In Milwaukee, they were giving safer at home tickets to anyone they were arresting. So if you broke in someone's house or did another average crime that they would arrest you for anyways, you're also getting slapped with a safer at home violation. In Wauwatosa, they were probably, they, they were giving out tickets. It was more spread out a little bit. And it, it really seemed like people just in Wauwatosa just kind of disobeying, having people over and not thinking the rules really apply to them, frankly. Uh, so people really put all that together and they started marching for people who had died here uh, and, and cases that had gone cold, you know, uh, Dontre Hamilton and, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, other cases as well. And with the protests, there was a lot of togetherness, obviously, that we just talked about. But in that togetherness, you also get tuned into different tuned into each other and tuned into the group. And you know when the group is uneasy. And people would get uneasy when they're all live streaming and the lives all go out one at a time. Or when there's other strange things happening, you could tell it was palatable. And actually, uh, uh, I actually interviewed Raphael for my surveillance article that I wrote back in the summer, because if I'm not mistaken, because I was watching literally four or five live feeds. And I saw all of the local Locust Street Station and I saw them all go out one at a time, one at a time and then it was gone it was dark for like 10 minutes and then when it came back it was already chaos you know and i think Raphael, you 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 noticed a, a, a unique kind of effect yeah i couldn't use my phone when I, when i was close enough. yeah yeah i couldn't use my phone when i was out like again i was out tonight uh, i think it was the 29th 29th for the 30th i was out there 31st too and uh I remember not being able to use my cell phone. I can always use my cell phone. Um, like I, I live two blocks, two or three blocks from uh, Fifth District. Always could. I couldn't use my cell phone. And again, I just reiterate those. Like you hear about the tactics that uh, American military uses against under in other countries, but it came back home, and I saw it yeah. firsthand. Like the helicopter above my house, the snipers on the top of the roof, the tear gas. The, the aggression, the riot gear. The surveillance and, and the then surveillance, a, couple days, yeah. a couple days after that, there were uh, tickets being mailed to people. So people in Milwaukee during the Milwaukee protests were, uh, uh, were, uh, were uh, being mailed tickets in the mail by the so-called virtual investigations unit, which were, which uh, these were handwritten tickets and they were only getting the tickets after they posted videos of themselves out past curfew. You know, yeah. so uh, and then when that made news, Alfonso Morales, the chief at the time, he he said, well, I don't know anything about these tickets. We don't have uh, time to do that kind of thing anyways. And I've since found out that the virtual investigations unit is real. It's part of the fusion center, which is kind of you can imagine it as kind of like this. This uh, it's, fusion center started out as kind of like a counterterrorism concept, but they've been brought down to kind of street level surveillance and, and, and information gathering. And uh, one of the facets and the fusion center here in Milwaukee, it, it, it handles all the cell phone bugging technology, cell phone tracking technology. It handles the city's shot spotter system, which triangulates gunshots by audio. Um, it, it's at the heart of all this stuff and this, and this facet of it was sending people tickets in the mail, you know, and, and that tactic was later repeated in Wauwatosa. So just to talk about Wauwatosa for a little bit, 
you know, uh, the, you know, Alvin, uh, the shooting of Alvin Cole happened back in February and the protests in Wauwatosa didn't start really until the summer. And I remember first finding out at a pro at a press conference held by, uh, the community task force and Vaughn Mays and all of them that, uh, that Joseph Mensa was actually the officer who had killed Alvin Cole. Cause up until that point, it had been quiet. I hadn't written about the Alvin Cole shooting because, uh, that's what Tosa PD does. You know, when, when things happen, not just Tosa PD, but Tosa, that's what happens in Tosa. You, things happen and then it goes down a black hole somewhere. You don't find out about it ever, you know? So, it took a lot. So when my bosses said, Hey, do you want to write about this shooting? Even back in February, I was like, let's wait a little bit and see what happens. Cause I know this department and let's just wait and see what happens, you know? And then the family came out and at, and at one of their first uh, uh, demonstrations, they said, you know, they kind of laid it all out there. We're being harassed by the police. We feel like our phones are being tampered with, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to march uh, with, with y'all. We're going to demand justice for Alvin. And come to find out, of course, when you put the dots together, Joseph Mensa had been, while it's on this officer, had been involved in three fatal shootings over a five-year period. Uh, the second one particularly was very sketched because they, Tosa PD officers actually removed, you know, removed the gun from the car and were since finding out that there are a lot of other ways the scene and the investigation was kind of tampered with in a way, you know. But talking about the protests more broadly, I guess, in Tosa, uh, it, it was really interesting because over the you saw the protests develop strategies and organization over a very short period of time. You know the car caravans, the security guys who open carry, and and the you know people say why do they block the street with the car caravan? Well, because we have Charlottesville, where people who felt empowered by the Trump administration, mind you, this is all under Trump. This is under the last year of the Trump administration. We don't know at this point if this guy is going to win again or not. Okay. Right. Right. Orders, some of them, not all of them, but some of them feel inclined to, they, they, they feel as though they can hurt people and people marching in the street is an easy target. And I can't tell you how many times I've been out in protests and I've seen people try to drive through the crowd and hurt people. So yeah, they, they use their cars to block intersections because people who want to hurt soft bodies usually care about their cars and they don't want to damage their cars. You know what I mean? Yep. So they're not going to ram into another car. Why do they shine lights in the windows as they pass to make sure that no one's setting up on them? It's very, very simple. It, it may, it, it may disrupt your, you know, business as, as, as a usual, but that's what 2020 did. Unfortunately, it disrupted business as usual, you know? So, yeah. as time you know, Isaiah, I think like a lot of the things that you're saying, and you know, one of the things that you just said, you bring, you're bringing up all these facts, all this information you, you said things happen, things happen sometimes in Wauwatosa and then they, they fall down a, a black hole, right? You don't, we, people don't find out about it. And if folks haven't figured out like why we're doing this podcast, that statement right there is exactly why we're doing this podcast. Because things happen in our communities all the time and then they fall down a black hole and we don't hear about them. We don't know what's going on. And so, I, you know, this has been a really great show a great first show. I think that we hit on a lot of things and, uh, you know, just kind of like laid out the the land and the picture for what we're going to be talking about going forward. But I just want to thank all of our first time listeners. Um, this is the, this is not that podcast. We're going to have to wrap it up now. I'm Joanna here with the homies, Rafi and Isaiah. Uh, can I just go say ahead. something before we go? Go ahead, Rafi. It's our mm -hmm. show. We can do what we want. Thank you. 
Isaiah set us up, right? So we we had a conversation about the present, the past. And I think on our next episode, we can dive into the future, the next steps, yep. and where we go from here, right? And uh, right. yeah, this was the first time I was able to decompress with folks and have this deep of a conversation about what happened. And I look forward to uh, our next episode when we can tell people some next steps and how they can get involved and uh, what to be on the lookout for too, because the state will repress and the state is real. Yeah. And so, like I said, I'm Joanna. I'm the Movement Politics Director at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And this is the This Is Not That podcast that is sponsored by Citizen Action of Wisconsin. All right, y'all. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.